Lord, we just thank you for our pastor. We thank you so much for the words that you have given him for us. We thank you for his wisdom. We thank you for the grace that he has to lead this church and to follow what you're leading him to. Just pray for fluid words this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Fluid words, not uh, Forrest Gump words. Because somebody said it. Who said that to me? Somebody said that. It sounded like I was Forrest Gump talking to him. I mean, that was just a couple of minutes ago, and now I forgot who it was. Because sometimes you have to forgive and forget, right? Amen. So, yes, sir. I wanted, uh, before I get my message, I wanted Debbie Greathead to come up here uh, because I think she has a word. And I want to uh, take a moment and let us receive what she felt the Lord was showing her. Because this is Debbie Greathead for people who don't know her. Let's give Debbie a big hand. Awesome, awesome woman of God here. Uh, during praise and worship, when we were uh, singing praises to the Lord, I was just standing there and I saw this pot in heaven and I saw the Lord command an angel just how God commands an angel to go and stir the pot. And it was like prayers that had been prayed a long time ago that you're still standing for, that they're being activated right now. And I couldn't really explain what was happening in the pot. And I said, well, Lord, what's happening in the pot? And it's like sparklers. Do you know what sparklers are? Those little things that you just twirl and sparks go everywhere. And that's kind of what was in the pot. So God's stirring the pot if you've been praying. Amen. So I know a lot of people have prayers uh, that haven't been answered. I think we've already talked about that. One of them was unforgiveness that was hindering. It can be hindrances. But there are also some prayers like, uh, you know, John the Baptist's parents had prayed and for a child, if you remember that story, and, and, and basically quit praying it. You know, but the Lord remembered in the prayer that they had prayed. And so I wanted people, I wanted Debbie to pray over us. And I wanted people who just have some prayer in your heart that just hasn't been answered. And if, if, it's, if there's something you need to do about it, the Holy Spirit will show you. Amen. But there may be just a time where God really wants to begin to answer some prayers for people. And I think that was, I, I don't think it was ironic that, she shared her testimony about getting breakthrough and answering a prayer. So if, if that's you, stand up, and Debbie's going to pray over you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah, Lord. Father, we just come before your throne of grace, Lord, and we come with boldness today. Because, Father, you don't show us things for no reason. You are an almighty God. And, Lord, there is nothing beyond your reach. And, Lord, I thank you that the disciples ask you, Lord, teach us to pray. And then, Father, you show us those things that we are to pray. So today, Lord, in each heart, Lord, 
of each person who's standing, God, today. I'm asking in the name of Jesus that that spark that you put in them in the beginning to even begin that prayer, Lord, that, Father, today that that spark would just explode, God, in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I thank you right now for answers coming from heaven, God. I thank you, Lord, for your divine power, Lord God, that has a weakened, Lord, no matter what the world has to say. You are God. You alone are the Lord God Almighty. And you answer prayers, Lord. And Father, I thank you that everything is done in your timing, Lord. Not in our timing, God, but in your timing, God. And I thank you, Lord, that even today that you have shown us, God, that now is the time, Lord God. Now is the time, Father God. Lord, for miracles, for signs and wonders, and for healings, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord. And Father, we receive it as done today from your holy hand, and we give you all of the glory, we give you all of the honor, and we give you, Lord God, all of the praise. Thank you, Lord, for we ask it in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Well, how dumb I was to get up here to pray like that. Now I got to try to preach after that. <laughs> wow. Hey, don't be surprised if some angel doesn't show up. You know, with the answers. Amen. And God sent them on a mission. Lord, we receive that. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's good. Thank you, Debbie. That was good. Really good. The Lord's good, isn't he? So I wanted to talk to you just a little bit here uh, uh, from the book of Philemon. How many people are familiar with the book of Philemon? It's a one-chapter book in the Bible, so if you're a person who likes to read a quick book, (laughs) it's a very powerful book, though. Um, So there's just a few things in here I think are really uh, something the Holy Spirit wants to highlight to us and has already been highlighting to us this morning. Um, So I'm going to read verse 1. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. So Philemon was a a co-worker of Paul, uh, and he was also somebody that Paul loved. He had a friendship with. It was beyond just ministry. It was like they were close friends, but they were also so, uh, you know, involved in ministry together. And it was believed that Philemon and his wife had a very dynamic and powerful house church in Colossia. And that, that this church was very impacting on the community. And so, you know, Colossia was in, in modern-day Turkey, just if you're curious about where that was at. You know, there's the book of Colossians, which is associated with, with this. So that's, that's who Philemon is. He's a very key person in the Bible, but... Let me read on down in verse 4. It says, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. See, Paul was, uh, this is one of the apostolic prayers here. Uh, Hearing of your love and faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become affected by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Uh, that verse there of uh, that. <laughs> Just, this is just a side note. That was the first verse I ever memorized as a believer, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a powerful 
powerful statement. See, Paul wasn't necessarily praying that, that Philemon would receive something new from God. He, he was encouraging him. He was giving really what Paul was doing. He was praying that Philemon could see a something that's vital for all of us. He, that he would see that within him already he, he had faith and he had love. That, that was really what he was trying to get him to see because, you know, faith and love are the two of the, two of the three. And if you have faith, by the way, you have hope, right? Because hope is the substance. How do you say that? Yeah, substance of things hoped for. So that's why he didn't necessarily mention hope there because hope is included in faith. And he was going to need both love and faith to do what Paul was going to ask him to do. Paul knew that that need to be that need to come alive in him, and um, so what? It, it's such an important thing for us to understand. You know, we have we can make declarations about things, right? We believe in declaring things. We be, believe in making confessions, uh, but we don't believe in just doing uh, parroting things, right? We don't want to just parrot stuff. We want, when we speak something, we want to know that we're on solid. First, we want to know we're on the solid ground of the Scripture, that what we're declaring, what we're confessing is the Word of the Lord. It's the Word of God, and we're stable on that. And also, we, want, we need to know that it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. We, we don't want to just do stuff. We want to, we're people of the Holy Ghost, right? We're spiritual people. I don't care. We're not just going to do stuff just because... You know, somebody said you're supposed to do it. We're going to do it because we believe the Spirit of God in us is urging us. And, and, and so there's a time that we come to where we might not necessarily feel anything, but we can believe something, right? And God's calling people into an arena of belief. And one of the areas that we have to, to come into is we have to begin to believe what we already have in Christ, what we already have residing us, and everybody has love, and everybody has faith if you're in Christ. You have love and faith within you. You are loved. You're loved. That's what the Bible says. We're loved. Now, listen. If you don't know that you're loved, your Christian life is never going to work. I'm just going to tell you that now. You are going to strive. You're going to be messed up in your life because everybody wants to be loved. Everybody needs to be loved. It's a, it's a, a God-created thing. And so what Paul was praying is that, you know, he said, you have love and faith. He was, he was blessed by it. And he wanted this... He said, I want you to, to when you begin to, to share uh, your faith, that it, you're, it would become affected by acknowledging, which means to admit to. That's what he was saying. You need to, and we need to admit to some things, to admit to the things that God has put in you. That's, that's what acknowledge means. Here, actually, acknowledge, I'll give you a, the, the formal definition is to admit to, recognize, or report the receipt of. That's what acknowledge is. And Paul was saying, when you begin to acknowledge, when you begin to admit these good things that are in you, then when you begin to speak forth your faith, it is going to be impacting. Do you do all get that? Really important. So here, here, let me just say this. The two things, 
that we can begin to acknowledge, no matter who you are this morning, you can begin to acknowledge, you can begin to confess that, you, that you're loved and that you have faith. Romans 12, 3 says, God has given to every man a measure of faith. Okay? Everybody in Christ, God has given you a measure of faith. You have this faith operating in you. And so, now this is why this is meaningful to me. Are y'all following this? This is why this is meaningful. When I was a young believer, I didn't feel loved by God. Okay? I knew biblically, I knew theologically that God loved me. Okay? But I didn't know it as an experience. I didn't have that personal assurance inside of me that I was loved because I didn't feel good enough to be loved. How could God love me? I knew me, and I knew God knew me, and I knew I wasn't lovable. That's how I felt. I, I think I've shared this many times. I would walk into, into church, and I would, feel, I would feel like I wanted to cower in the corner because I didn't feel like I was good enough to be there. I felt like everybody else there was spiritual and better than me. That's the way I felt. Now, a lot of that was the devil, but I knew that somehow or another that that I need to come into a revelation of love. I knew that that was a, a key thing in my life that somehow I had to know that I was loved. I just had to know it. I knew that if I didn't know that, I, I didn't believe I would make it as a believer. That's how I felt. I'm not going to make this thing long term if I don't have, if I don't know that I'm loved and, I'm no, and I don't know that I'm accepted because I'm always trying to be loved, trying to be accepted. And you know, like I've told many people, you know, somebody who, who, who uh, needs love and needs to have this assurance love, you can love them every day and tell them you love them to their blue in the face. It's like pouring water in a bucket with a hole in it. The next day, you start all over again. And that was the way my Christian life was. Every day, it was like starting over again, and somehow I had to get this thing from God. But here's what I decided one day. I just decided one day, this is what I decided. The Bible says I'm loved. Okay? That's what the Bible says. I'm loved. Everybody I know that knows anything about me tells me, you're loved. God loves you. God cares about you. I'm going to start believing it. Here's how I'm going to start believing it. I'm going to begin to confess that God loves me. It's simple as that. I can take you to the moment in my life when I, I can take you to the very spot on the road I was driving where I made that decision. It was a conscious decision. I'm just going to start believing it. I'm going to start saying it. God loves me. And when I pray, I would pray, Lord, I know you love me. I didn't feel loved. I didn't believe it with my heart at that moment, but I knew it had to be true or because I knew the Bible was true. Nothing happened at that moment. The first time I prayed, zero happened. I still felt like the scum of the earth, right? I feel, still felt I didn't measure up. But over a period of days, a period of weeks, as I began, I would just kept confessing, I'm loved. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what my circumstances tell me. God loves me. God cares about me. If, G- if I was the only person on the earth, Jesus would have died for me. That's how he felt. I didn't feel it. But over a period of days and weeks, suddenly something began to shift in my heart. What I was saying with my mouth, my heart began to believe it. And when my heart began to believe it, my words suddenly had power on them. You hear what I'm saying? Because what I was doing, I was doing exactly what he said here. I was acknowledging something that was true. You can confess something. You can decree something that's true regardless if it's your experience or not. 
And later I began to do the same thing about the faith thing because I never felt like a man of faith. But God has given you a measure of faith in everything you need in life, everything that God's going to ask you to do, you already have faith to do it. You don't need to try to get faith. You need to use the faith you have. You have this faith. And as you begin to confess it, as you begin to declare it, something will happen. Something will happen in you, and you will begin to shift. You know, the beautiful thing about this love of God, even in the faith of God, all of that, it's not a one-time event in our life. It's not that all of a sudden we know everything there is about the love of God. Okay? You know, because God is love. And it began the journey in my life. Okay, back, this was way back. This was back when my children were little bitty crawling around people. And they're, one of them's 41 years old now. So this was a long, this was back 40 years ago when I, when I had this encounter with love. But, and since that time, I've had many, many things that happened to me. And the most wonderful things all have to do with God's love, with how he loves me. And how he cares about me. My encounters with the Holy Spirit is all about him making that love real in my life. And making it powerful in my life. One of the most powerful things that ever happened to me spiritually is, and, and I, don't, I don't care how, what people think about this, but I was literally called up to the throne of God. And this is what God told me. You can come here anytime you want to. Anytime you want to. I, when I was there, I don't know, I don't understand it to this day. It was weird. It was a strange situation, okay? Somehow I was there, but I was here. You know, it was just, you know, duh thing. But, but when I was there, I felt at home. That's how I felt. I felt I've been here before. I felt I belong here. You know, that was the thing. And, and, and I heard that. You can come here anytime you want to. Anytime you want to. We're always there with him. And we begin to believe it. Well, anyway, so this is what Paul was, was, was saying here to this guy. Is that you can become effective in the sharing of your faith if you, when you begin to acknowledge. And you can start with love. And, what I'm saying, start with love and faith. You have permission to confess that you're love. You have permission to confess that you have the faith to do what God's asked you to do. You have that permission right now, and you can begin to add all the other things that God's done in your life. The times he's healed you, the times he's rescued you, the times he's given you money when you didn't have money to pay your bills. Just listen, the times that somebody spoke a word to you when you were desperate, you can just start acknowledging all those things. And as we acknowledge those things, somehow it's going to transform us. Somehow it will give us the ability to speak the word of the Lord and it's going to have power, it's going to have effect, it's going to have influence on the people that are listening to us. Are y'all following this? And listen, we are coming into a day, I believe, where God is going to activate the church. He's going to call the church up, not only to talk to it, for us to just to talk to each other, which is important, which is vital, but there's a whole world out there that needs to hear the voice of the church. They need to hear the body of Christ begin to speak. That the world needs to hear us. We're not, we have no voice in the world right now. Because we have been, we've ridiculed, ridicule, ridicule. We've caused ourselves to be the ridicule, okay? Because of things we've declared and spoken before the world. But God is going to put his word in us and we're going to be able to speak it. And we've got to get real and we've got to get truthful. That's just another thing there. You know, faith works through love, right? 
Faith works through love. That's, and our faith is energized by love. I believe, and I shared it last week, I believe there's a move of God that's coming that's going to be marked by the compassion of God. Yeah. It's going to be His compassion rising up in His people to touch the people around us, to forgive like she was talking about, and to release people and to heal people because Jesus healed people because He was moved with compassion. He says it moved Him. We're going to have something that's going to move us. We're not going to try to stir ourselves up. We're going to be moved by something. It's going to be the power of God in us. It's going to be his compassion in us. So I just believe, I believe this. Faith and love, as we begin to acknowledge them, they're activated. That's, that's what happened. When I begin to confess it, when I begin to admit to it, suddenly love got activated in my life. Faith got activated in my life. And so if you're not feeling love, begin to confess love. If you're not feeling like you got faith to do what you're, the situation you're in, begin to confess the faith, and it'll activate it. It'll release it. Are, are y'all getting that? That's one of the things that God wants to activate in the church, love and faith. And that's what he was saying because Paul was saying this to Philemon because Philemon, I'm fixing to ask you to do something that's going to take a lot of faith and a lot of love on your part. That's why he prayed it for him. You're going to need love and you're going to need faith. You and I are going to need love and faith to be able to do what's in front of us. That's what's going to motivate us. That's what's going to carry us through this thing is love. It's not going to be spiritual disciplines as, as well as those are, as nice as those are. It's not going to be spiritual gifts or spiritual fruit necessarily. It's going to be the love and faith of God flowing in us. I believe that with all my heart. Well, here's what the purpose of the book was. We're getting back to the book. Are y'all good this morning? So Philemon owned a slave. And we're not getting into the question of owning slavery. Obviously, we don't believe in owning slaves, right? I mean, you know, I'm Becky's slave, but I have, I have voluntarily made myself her slave. I have said, I want to be your slave. Don't make me leave. I, you know, punch my, I got a punched ear, you know, like in the Old Testament. Don't make me leave. I'm staying here. I'll serve you and clean up after you. I am Becky Slade. I'm a bond servant of the Lord. I'm a bond servant of Becky. Anyways, don't believe a word. Anyways. So his letter was written with the purpose of to bring reconciliation between two brothers in Christ. That was what the whole letter, what this whole thing was. But it was going to be a difficult reconciliation. It was going to be a trying reconciliation. Okay, but that was the reason for this beautiful little letter. See, what I want to get, one thing, if you can walk out with this one thing, the next time you read this, all of a sudden you step into people's lives. You step into these names in here. Okay, that these were real human beings going through real human being stuff, difficulties and trials. People that had the same feelings we have and the same cares, types of cares that we have. And here they are showing up that we could get something out of their life. So it's a letter that promotes forgiveness as the key to unity. Forgiveness and reconciliation is the key to unity. That's, That's what it's really about. That's what she was talking about. And by the way, I didn't come to that thing yesterday. I was going to, but I went to a horse show. All day horse show. And my granddaughter, I'm a grandparent. Give me one grandparent second. My granddaughter, Madeline, her first horse show won third place. 
sure did. She had never done that, and she wasn't even riding the horse that she trains on. She was rode, rode another horse. And, uh, you know, the people she was competing against were really good. Uh, it just one of them had a horse that wasn't behaving. You know, maybe the Lord was involved. I don't know. <laughs> but I was very proud of Madeline. Uh, okay, well, I'm a grandparent, so... Uh, Forgiving love. Love forgives. Love restores. Love covers sin. Love heals broken relationships. It really is true. In Christ, there's enough love and faith to forgive everybody. There's enough love and faith to be reconciled to everybody. Okay? And it takes love and faith to forgive, y'all. It really does. For some people, it takes a lot more love and faith than others, but it's always going to take love and faith to, for, to forgive. And that's why forgiveness is such a, a big issue biblically, you know, and it's, a, and it's a reoccurring theme in the body of Christ, and it should be. It should, we, we, always, we can never be reminded enough of it. Paul says in verse 8, he says, Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, in other words, I could command you to do this because of who I am in Christ. I have the authority to. But I, yet for love's sake, listen to what he says, for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you. Being such a one as Paul, the aged, the old man, now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. Listen, he said, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while I'm in my chains. Listen, Paul was in prison and this is what Onesimus did. Onesimus was the slave of Philemon. And apparently uh, Onesimus stole, if you, you can read that in, it doesn't say it, but you can read it into what he said because he talks about paying him, paying him back. Stole something, stole goods, stole money, whatever, from, from Philemon and ran away. And somehow by the grace of God, apparently or evidently, he wound up in jail where Paul was in jail. And Paul somehow led him to Christ. Now, you tell me God is not involved in humanity. You tell me God is not involved even in our worst moments. Even when we've done it all wrong, we have completely blew it. God is right there. He's right there working behind the scenes. Who would ever thought he wound up where Paul was? And Paul led this man to the Lord. And Paul began to disciple him. And so he's making this appeal. And Paul considered Onesimus a spiritual son. Wow. Somebody he deeply and dearly loved. He said, who was once unprofitable to you. But now is profitable to you and me. I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart. Wow. Isn't that powerful? My own heart. Then in verse 15, I'm just not going to read all the verses. For perhaps, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. Listen, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. That's just powerful. Especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If you then count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or he owes you anything, put that on my account. 
Isn't that wonderful? You know, the thing that really touched me, really, and the real reason I wanted to, to share this was I went back and studied historically Onesimus. And Onesimus uh, lived for God and became a bishop in the church and was later martyred for his faith. You know, when I read about people, you know, in the Bible I read names of people, like in Romans 16 where it meant this, all these names, and all these people became martyrs. And it just really makes the Bible real to me that these really are real people. And that God moved in their life. God did things in their life. And this man walked this thing out with God all the way to the end. He said he was, that's church history. Church uh, says that Onesimus was stoned to death and then they cut his head off. That's how they treated this man. And so here we are reading this letter. And for years I would read it and they were just names to me. But now when I read it, it there's a life. There, there's something in it that means something to me personally. That, that speaks to my heart and makes me realize that there's people who've gone before me and paid a greater price than, than I'm probably going to pay. You know? And that what we've been invited into is something really special. When we've been invited into the family of God... We've been invited to, to, to associate and stand with people like Onesimus. It's, we have been honored beyond measure. We have been honored beyond measure for God to invite us into his family and for us to be able to, by his grace, say yes to him. We, we're, we're, we can be thankful beyond measure. So I wanted to read this. Uh, you know, 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11, this is about forgiveness because I think it's really important. See, what Paul was asking from Philemon, he was, not, he was asking him to forgive and be reconciled to him. Okay, he was, okay, those are two separate things. I'll talk about that in a minute. They don't, you don't necessarily, you know, the Bible, the Bible, God desires forgiveness always. He doesn't necessarily require reconciliation always, okay? I'll talk about that in just a second before I finish. But I do want to tell us this. God, with all his heart, is saying to us, you can forgive. One of the, I, I went through this time in my life where it seemed like I was having to forgive people a lot, okay? I don't know if you've ever been there where you... People, I felt wounded by people. I felt wounded deeply by people. I felt hurt by people. I felt rejected by people. And, some, and, and you know, the people, it, it's not people that are far off from you, but it's people that are close to you that hurt you the most. You know what I'm saying? Those, those are the people that can really rip you apart, people that you love, people that you care about, people that you have a relationship with. It's not necessarily somebody who came to church and stayed for a month and left because they didn't like your preaching or wrote you a nasty email, like, oh, get over it. Who cares? <laughs> Go to a church that likes kids, don't, that don't let kids, you know, hang out and worship. Anyways. <laughs> I didn't say that, but that's what I thought. Those, don't, those are the kind of things that don't wound you. There's other things that wound you deeply. And I had this one particular situation with a person, and like she was saying, I just struggle with forgiving them. And I, 
in my head, I tried to convince myself that I'd forgiven them. But something would always happen, and I would realize I didn't because I'd have some outburst of anger when their name was brought up or, or some negative reaction, which would tell me, you haven't forgiven them. And so I, uh, but I found out this thing. I found this out. This is what Jesus told me one day. He said, I have forgiven you. And when I forgave you, I filled your heart with forgiveness. You can tap into what's in you and give it to this man. That's what he told me. And, you, and I did. I did. I tapped into it. And I forgave. And it worked. I'm telling you, it did. Because there it really is enough love and faith inside of us and forgiveness inside of us to forgive anybody. Maybe not necessarily be reconciled, but you have it in you. If you struggle with forget unforgiveness, you have it inside of you. You just be, need to be willing to give it. If you'll give it, you'll be free. That's what she said. You'll be free. But I want to read this verse to you. This is probably one of the more common Second uh, Corinthians 2. Are y'all good? Second Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. This now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. This is speaking of a guy that Paul made him throw out of the church for gross immorality. He, he put him out because the guy wouldn't repent. So Paul said he's got to go because he's going to mess up the church if you don't. And so, but, but now, this, that was in 1 Corinthians. Now, 2 Corinthians, apparently this guy had repented. This guy had did this terrible thing. And now Paul is saying to the same people, he said, he's got to go. Now he's saying, he's forgiven. He's forgiven. And he's saying, if we don't forgive, at least Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So one of the greatest access points, the greatest, one of the greatest access, there's a few access points that Satan, common access points. Unforgiveness is one of them. It is, it's a doorway for Satan to get into your life. It's a doorway for Satan to speak to you. It's a doorway for him to plant thoughts into your head. That's what Paul was saying right here. And see, a lot of people, if you don't deal with your forgiving, unforgiveness, if you don't deal with it, eventually you will become bitter. You know, and bitter, let me just tell you what bitterness is. This is what I learned about bitterness. Bitterness is counterfeit brokenness. See, brokenness by the, from, the whole, from the hand of the Holy Spirit is a beautiful thing because the aroma of Christ can get released into a person who's gone through a broken process with the Lord. Okay? Y'all are looking frowning at me now. Nobody wants to talk about brokenness, but that's a, every believer that's going to be used by Christ is going to go through some brokenness in their life. But see, but bitterness will take, its, take the place of that. It's a false brokenness. And, it's, and, it's, and it says in Hebrews that uh, if you have a root of bitterness, you will defile many. A broken person will release love, release the Lord, the presence of the Lord to many. A bitter person will bring defilement to people they're around. Y'all hearing that? It's really important. You know, I think you've always heard this. I sort of like it. Refusing to forgive is like drinking poison and expecting the other person you refuse to get to forgive to get sick. 
<laughs> it's true. Hey, I'm going to drink some poison because Stacy McCraw, I have. <laughs> to this day, I cannot remember. Stacy Van Wassenhove. You don't mess with Stacy, y'all. I know that to be true. It really is like that. It really is like drinking poison and expecting other people, person to get sick when we refuse to forgive. We're the ones who get sick. It's destructive to us. Um, I wanted to mention this. I think one of the things uh, that's important for the church right now is the blood of Jesus. Obviously, it's always important, right? Somehow or another, we've got to... I think the Holy Spirit wants to talk to us about the blood. Okay? And so here's, here's something. I'm just going to say this. Genesis 4.10, it says, it's, this is talking about, uh, you know, Cain killed his brother Abel. And this is what God said to Cain. What have you done? The voice, listen to this, the voice of your brother's blood. Did you hear that? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out. Blood speaks Blood speaks. Blood has a voice. Blood communicates. Blood is not, it's, it seemed, all this blood stuff could seem weird, but blood speaks. Okay? And that's what the Lord said. His blood cries out to me from the ground. And, and then in Hebrews, it says, the blood, it's speaking about the blood of Jesus, speaks better things than that of Abel. You see, that blood that was shed back in Genesis 4 is still speaking in the earth today. Are y'all hearing me? It's speaking. It's speaking. What's it saying? Have you ever thought about that? What does it say? Have you ever thought about that? What was, what was his voice saying to God? What was he telling God? What was that blood saying to God? And so the way you can understand it is what did Jesus' blood say to God? Jesus' blood said forgiven. Jesus' blood said mercy. I believe Abel's blood says justice. Isn't that why we have such a justice thing going on in the world? It's, it's, the, it's awesome. It's awesome. You know, it's, the problem is just the voice of Abel speaking. We've got to get the voice of Christ when I say God wants to get his voice out there because his voice says mercy. His voice says forgiveness. And see, that whole justice movement will be all perverted and will not end well. It's not going to end well if the voice of the blood of Jesus is somehow not communicated into that thing. I hope that made sense. It is. So anyways, I wanted to finish up here because I'm about out of time. But I do want to tell you this about forgiveness, okay? And, And this was hugely helpful. Sorry, I'm not trying to spit on you, Marlon. Y'all ever heard about the old Pentecostal preachers that had the plexiglass pad up here thing when they preached because they spit so bad? Mm. <laughs> I don't do that, do I? <laughs> Maybe I should start, right? <laughs> Kenneth Copeland one time said the most anointed man he ever in, was ever in the presence was was this, this preacher in West Virginia that had what they call the spit anointing that he would take his hands and put it on people and God would do miracles with his spit. I'm thinking, spit all over me. (laughs) I'm in. 
Kenneth Copeland said that I've never seen no more powerful anointing than that man. It's called the spit anointing. Well, back when I was going through my learning how to be a forgiver, oh, I wanted to tell you this little testimony. I, I really, this is important. Can you give me five more minutes? I think I want to, I really want to say this because there was a woman uh, who, her name was Puddin'. Some of you might remember Puddin. She was a black woman uh, that we had done these outreaches over in Lee Park in, here in Mooresville. And I think buzzing in led her to the Lord. I think that's right. Uh, so here's Puddin. Puddin, uh, she, they lead her to the Lord. So she, she decides River Life's going to be her church, which was awesome. Puddin, she had a terrible life. She, she had been a prostitute. She had been a drug addict. You name it, she, it was bad. I mean, she was a person who lived a terrible, bad life. Okay? And so they led her to the Lord. And she got saved. She got marvelously saved and got filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, she, she came alive. And so she had an appointment with Becky and I. Remember? And Ann. And Ann Sapanic. Well, she was pointing at Ann Sapanic, but maybe anyway. Where she had made an appointment with us. Remember? And, and, and it, was, it was to do what they did yesterday in that seminar. It was to help her with these inward things. Okay, because if you lived a life of prostitution and drug addiction and all that, you're going to have some demons inside of you. Okay, that's, that's really, and I think part of what, we washed her feet, right? We literally washed her feet. And we ministered to her some. But here was the thing. Here's what happened. This was so powerful. It spoke to me so much. It, that was back when I was learning so much about forgiveness. Is, Puddin', you're going to have to forgive the guy who molested you for years as a young girl, starting when she was a young girl, there was a family member who molested, sexually molested her constantly. She lived with it for years, and that's what drove her into prostitution, into addiction, because she was so messed up and destroyed by this man. And here's what she, it was, I, when she said this, I was floored. She said, oh, I've already forgiven him. It's my parents that I'm having a hard time forgiving. Why did they let him do that to me? They knew he was doing that. They knew he was doing that. And she was having a hard time. She forgave the man who molested her hundreds of times probably. But she was struggling because her mom and daddy who was there to protect her didn't protect her. And they let it go on. Remember that, Becky? I mean, we were just shocked. We were in shock. That we thought, of course, the guy who did it. You see, that's how this thing works in our life sometimes. It's not the person who may have done the bad thing. It may be the person that you trusted in and you loved. And they weren't there for you. And that was where the hurt came. I've had other people come in. There was a lady came, I think Marla and I was with her, and she had had sex with a married man. She was a single woman, single woman. And she, and we, you know, were talking to her, trying to, you know, walk her through it. Thank you. And she said, she said this. I said, now you're going to have to forgive that man. So I said, you've got to forgive that man for having sex with you. 
and trying to, and she was saying, I got, she came because she was wanting out of it, right? I want out of this. I can't get out of it because he won't leave me alone. And we helped her, worked out, you know, I'm going to talk to the guy, which was great, you know. <laughs> Ever called a guy in and said, hey, I had this weird conversation with this lady. <laughs> that was not a fun conversation. I had this weird conversation with this woman. You wouldn't believe what she said. And all of a sudden, that guy's face went red as a firecracker. I thought, I'm dead. <laughs> Anyways, thankfully, he repented. But this is what this woman said. She said, oh, I've already forgiven him. I just can't forgive myself. I can't forgive myself. See, a lot of people do things, and they just won't forgive themselves. They really won't. But the blood of Jesus is sufficient. You know, this is what the Bible teaches. God's satisfied with the blood. The devil's satisfied with the blood. Why are we not satisfied with it? And that's really the truth. And we have to forgive ourselves. There's things that we've done in life. There's things I've done that I've really had to let the blood of Jesus. Because I, I couldn't live on myself over it. I hated myself for doing it. But the blood is sufficient. Well, I, well let me just tell you one more thing about pudding. Are you Okay. Five more minutes, okay. I just, the other thing about pudding was this. I want you to know this. This thing ended in such a victory. Pudding was with us for a short while. And one night, uh, a limo, about 2 o'clock in the morning, a white limousine pulled up to her front door. A man gets out of the limousine, goes to her house, gets pudding, and they leave. The next morning... Pudding is laying in her bed, dead. I'm convinced that white limousine was the little Lord coming to get her. A man saw that. A man that lived in the neighborhood actually saw that and was shocked that she was dead because he saw her leave in this limousine. The Lord took her home in a limousine. That's how God felt about that woman. He went and got her and took her. That's the goodness of God. Uh, but she didn't have no money to pay for And don't you love this? This is one of the most beautiful things about, about this church that I have loved. And I believe the Lord loves. This is the thing, kind of stuff that God loves. Is she couldn't, she had nobody. She didn't have anybody to pay for her funeral. She couldn't be buried. And we took up an offering in the church and, and buried her. And I just felt like that was, if I could say anything about this church, that was one thing this church did, did. That was right. That God in heaven remembers and he won't forget that. I promise you God will not forget that. When you do something like that for a person like that, God holds it into remembrance. And we had just an amazing time learning about going into a completely black culture, kind of old black culture, how they did funerals and how they did wakes. It was like... uh. We've never seen anything like this before. Us white people, they asked me to do the funeral. I'm thinking, good Lord. It was crazy, man. It was, a, it was amazing, but it was crazy. But it literally was like stepping back into time almost to go into that environment, how they, how they mourned, how they, how they mourned and how they, you know, released the dead. I, I, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life to get to do that. That whole thing just, yeah, yeah, the amazing empathy in the black culture. I mean, I mean, amazing. It, it, it was powerful beyond measure. 
Okay, here's my five-minute thing. I'm already over time, y'all. But let me tell you, listen, forgiving can be a struggle, okay? And here's some things that help me. I'm going to say these real fast, okay? And, and there, was a, there was a man named R.T. Kendall. Who knows who R.T. Kendall is? Wow, you, y'all are missing out on something. This guy was one of the best Bible teachers on earth, okay? I think he's still alive, but he was a... Uh, Pastor of a church, yeah, a church down here was at Nazarene. He was a Nazarene pastor, but man, he wrote a book called Total Forgiveness. It was over on the life of Joseph. Okay, it's a book for anybody who struggles with forgiveness. I mean, anybody. And in that book, he has a list, and I'm going to read them right quick of things what total forgiveness is not. And the beauty of that is it releases you to forgive because lots of times we connect forgiveness with all these other things and and we struggle to forgive. So I'm going to tell you what they are. Uh, Forgiveness is not approval of what the person did. It's not approval. It's not approving that they did. They did wrong and you don't approve of what they did, but you can still forgive them, but you don't have to approve of it. Forgiveness does not excuse what they did. It, there is no excuse. It does not explain away the wrong. This is important because this will help you because that was one of the reasons I was having a struggle forgiving certain people because I thought to forgive because I was wronged. I can't let explain this away. And the Lord was saying, no, you don't explain it away. That's not what forgiveness is all about. Uh, it does not, forgiveness does not justify what they did. Does not justify them. Justify means to make it right or just, but forgiveness does not make it right or just with them before God. It just does, it gets you off. It gets you out of the equation. Isn't that powerful? Uh, it, forgiveness does not pardon them for what they did. You pardon them, but they still have God to deal with. If they've sinned against you, you're just out of the equation. You, you know, it's between them and God. It's suddenly another, you're not before God accusing them anymore. You don't have them on your hook. God, they're on your hook. You do whatever you want to with them. But I've forgiven them as far as I'm concerned. And some people, you could easily say, hey, I think you should forgive them, Lord. You know, maybe not, but you know. Okay, it's not reconciliation, Right? Paul wanted Philemon to reconcile Onesimus. Most of the time, I think reconciliation is good. But there are some situations, like, let me just use Puddin' son. I just don't think Puddin' should reconcile with that uncle and have this relationship with that uncle that was a sexual predator. You know, I would not recommend that. But she could forgive him. But you don't got to have a relationship with him no more. There's just sometimes... When you're not meant, it's not meant to happen. And, and that's a hurdle for a lot of people. They won't forgive because they feel like they've got to go back and get in on get, get, and they're going to take another beating from the person. And you know what I'm saying? That was one of the things that was working in my mind. Like, dang, I'm going to get killed by this person if I forgive them. Because that means I've got to go hang out with them again. And the Lord, no, you don't. But you do need to forgive them. Uh, it's not denying what they did. It's not denial. They did it. It was wrong. I'm not denying that they did it. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. It's not blindness to what happened. It's not, in other words, you're not making a conscious choice to look the other way like it, you know, you're making a conscious choice to get, let them off the hook. It's not forgetting. That was big, right? 
Lots of people is forgive and forget. Not necessarily. Because if you forget some things, you may put yourself back into that bad situation again and wind up having to go through the whole cycle again. You shouldn't forget. Forget. You should forgive, but you should not forget. I know that might mess with some of these religious. <laughs> and here was the last one. Forgiveness is, pretend, is not pretending you're not hurt. Yeah, that's really important. You know... Not pretending. You're hurt. Don't pretend like you're not. You hear what I'm saying? Y'all hear what I'm saying? All righty. Let's end this. Yeah, let's end. Let me just, uh, hey, we were going to pray, you know, anybody else who wants to pray for people who may be struggling. Don't be embarrassed about this uh, because everybody has been hurt. Everybody's been disappointed. Everybody's hurt somebody. Everybody's disappointed somebody. We all struggle with this. So if you are a person that's saying, I'm struggling with some forgiveness issues right now, there's no shame in that. You know? That's being a human. That's living in this world. So I I just pray that the day that somehow the Lord will help us. Amen? Especially those who are struggling. So let me just pray. And come on over here, Mr. Will. Good old Will. I think Will's great. Yeah. But I will tell you this. He has a rough time keeping up the anointing on his wife. <laughs> right, Will? Because <laughs> Sarah's got a voice like an angel. That's why I married her. That's why I married her. So she rubs off on me. Get some of that anointing, right? Yeah, yeah, man. Let's just pray. Father, thank you today that you're a forgiving Lord. Lord, thank you for this story. Philemon and Isthmus. Lord, thank you for the testimony of their life. Lord, thank you that you have given us love and faith. You've given it to us. I acknowledge that. Lord, I acknowledge today I am very loved by you, Lord. You love me. You really do love me, Lord. I don't know why, but you just love me. And you love being with me. And Lord, you've given me faith. I acknowledge that. Lord, let us all acknowledge what the good things you've put in us, Lord. And let us all be forgiven people. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, if, if you're on the ministry team, um, or uh, if, if you have this area that you'd like to pray for somebody to, to help them because the Lord's helped you, come on up and... Uh, let me tell you, you know if the, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you through this message today. And I just want to encourage you, if he is, there's an anointing to help you. He's, he's saying, come on, I want to help you right now. So come on up and join with somebody um, to get some grace, that help from the Lord this morning. Um, we're going to wrap up this service. Don't forget to get your kids. Be blessed the rest of your day. Jesus, thank you for what you did today and what you're doing in us. Amen.